Okay, welcome to Podcast Open Mic. We are a podcast again. And I'm thrilled to do it. And I'm sitting outside in a, on a beautiful day, a beautiful July day, with Zeke of Zeke and the Endorphins. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a real honor. I've researched a few of the people that you've interviewed, and it's, uh, I'm very psyched to be here. And thank you for the chance to uh, come in and share my music with the world. It's, oh, you bet. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so how long have you been Zeke and the Endorphins? Really, we started probably about 20 years ago. Um, just uh, some local folks, some local people that I met, very talented guys. And we just started, we did a fair number of covers, but we also started doing uh, some of the tunes that I had written through the years. And mm -hmm. uh, everybody in the band was fairly talented, so we were doing blues, we were doing harder rock, we were doing reggae, we were doing jazzy things. I've always preferred to play with not only strong guitar players, but strong keyboard players and or horn guys, be they uh, saxophone players or trumpet players or trombone players. So it wasn't long before uh, we had an amalgamation of like five, six, seven guys would come to uh, practices, jams, rehearsals, and... Mm -hmm. uh, Again, we would do a lot of a lot of my tunes. I guess I was the official band leader, but as the drummer, that was always a little bit awkward. But that was my role. I would pull these people together, and everybody enjoyed playing together. And thus, Zeke and the Endorphins was born. It was ah. kind of a, so. We have. Uh, do you always play behind the drums, or do you? Yeah, that's around? really my instrument. I'm classically trained. I uh, grew up locally and played with the Little Portland Junior Symphony, and as a high schooler, I played with the uh, University of Maine local concert band. Um, mm -hmm. So again, classically trained, but I kind of left that behind. Uh, in college, I did a lot of jazz, a lot of big band jazz, and um, got tired. I didn't, didn't get tired of that, but decided I really my heart was in rock and roll. So. It wasn't long where, uh, before I kind of shifted from being a Buddy Rich type of drummer to a Charlie Watts drummer, just like really, really trying to stay on the beat and stay in time and hold it together. And um, since I was able to do that pretty well, and since I went from a real extravagant player to a real simple player, uh, and I was stone cold sober, um, I was pretty much highly in demand. I got to play with a lot of really talented people over the course of the years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, doing covers, doing bar bands, and again, any sort of idiom, whether it was jazz or rock. I mean, rock was really where my heart was, and so that came into play. But um, eventually, after touring, I ended up in the Midwest and found myself touring for about three, four years with different bands, even bluegrass bands, polka bands, heavy metal bands, pop bands. Um, I um, started really focusing on originals and kind of narrowed the band from, you know, this four or five piece touring band to just three guys locked up in the basement writing songs and mm -hmm. recording originals. And it was fun. And over the course of, this was the early 80s, and over the course of time we wrote... Um, between the three of us, we wrote about 80, 90 songs. And even though, again, I was the drummer, I also learned how to play guitar or, or 
and had to learn how to play piano as a kid, but drums was my instrument, but I wrote songs on guitar, and it was rock and roll, and so some fairly easy chords, and it was reggae, so even more basic chords and strumming, and uh, it was fun. So, yeah. Do you guys collaborate on writing? Or? Yeah, I mean, even to this day, 30, 40 years later, uh, these folks from Wisconsin have been integral or very involved with this project that I've put out that's known as Zeke and the Endorphins. So even though I have a lot of talented guys locally that I work with, um, those two, three guys out in Madison, Wisconsin, hotbed of, hot of the Midwest, right? Those guys are still involved today, and they recorded tracks to, um, to various songs on these albums. Even a couple of the al songs on the album are from one of the primary songwriters. So um, that was in, the, in that band, uh, a fellow by the name of Steve Harkis. He played guitar, plays guitar, plays piano, sings like a bird, just very, very talented player. Um, another guy who was involved in the project from there is Saul Glazer, and both these guys are still putting out music today, still playing today. And a piano player from out there named Eric Bear, who's very involved in video editing, does a lot of um, video work with his significant other, and they do a lot of um, Public, public broadcasting type of programs, mm -hmm. uh, editing video and audio, audio editing for, for videos that are, that are put out. So anyway, long story short, these guys are very, very involved in what we're doing and almost kind of part of the band, even though they're in Madison and a whole bunch of the guys are here in Portland. Yeah. So, so how long you been in Maine? I'm originally from Maine. Okay. I grew up here. Left Maine when I was 17. Went to went to Boston. Did some schooling there. Um, went to Montreal. Did some schooling there, and then ended up going out to uh, Wisconsin to uh, pursue a PhD in philosophy. And was always torn between academia and music and wanting mm. to play music. And here I am in academics, doing programs, studying, you know, and doing music on the side that after a year or two of graduate work in philosophy, I said, I'm done. I'm just rock and rolling. And wow. shortly after that, I met this guy, Steve, extremely talented player and um, worked with him for a bit, um, just kind of in passing. Um, but he had a profound influence on me. And then I had moved back to Boston from Madison after I left the program there. And I spent about five, six, eight months kind of getting my chops together. And I went back out to Madison and, you know, just was very, very serious about the music thing. And um, spent a year or so, you know, with different bands and working on my chops. And then one day I auditioned for this band and there was Steve and, you know, the rest was history. By that point in time, I was a pretty proficient player. I was a very strong player, a very competent player. And again, because I was Stone Cold Sober, I was pretty much a rock and a rock band where everybody is constantly um, on the other side of life kind of thing or mm -hmm. you know so it was uh, it was really pretty good and so we worked together for like I say about four or five years and um, toured a bit wrote a lot of songs did a fair amount of recording and it's interesting because we took some of the recording that we did at that point in time from the 80s we even took some of those recordings that were done like with an eight-track tape machine and we um, brought him here into Portland and my buddy uh, Jason Phelps over at Acadia basically went through those tapes 
and actually was able to generate a couple pretty viable songs um, using those tapes. So it's interesting. So on these two albums, three of the songs were recorded. I mean, actually recorded back in the 80s. And Why don't we hear one of those now? Which we, one would you like to play? We, well, we can do that. We can do that. Um, so this is from um, the second album. It's going to take me a second here to get this oh, thing okay. fired I can, up. I can add them later. Oh, later okay. Then. Yeah, you All can right. send me some MP3s. That'd yeah. be great. I was all ready for you. I just needed to log in. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was actually pretty interesting to take take those tape, those recordings that were done again with 8-track um, um, and then revamp them and clean them up a little bit and make them viable. So this song is called Ever Survive. <laughs> Second one. The other one we the other one we kept. I tried to redo or do a version of it here with the players here, um, and it just was nothing close to what this what this was. And this again was recorded back in the 80s. A little reggae type thing. Mm -hmm. Song's called Crazy Fool, and uh, Steve played guitar obviously, and he also did a little synth part in it. Um, You 
Now, how do you, uh, you say you play a lot of different styles. Uh, yes. Um, is it easy for you to shift back and forth to, uh, you know, say you play reggae and then rock and roll yeah. and then you mentioned polka? I mean, but y- it must yeah. be worlds of difference there. Yeah. Well, it's music. It's math. Back to, yeah. back to that philosophy training. Um, strong correlation but no i just uh, my exposure to music has been so strong in my life from symphony to marching band to drum corps stuff to big band stuff to jazz fusion stuff and you know into, into rock of all kinds whether it was you know basic americana blues or british blues mm-hmm. you know there's there are some certain similarities there but it does take a certain, let's call it dexterity, to kind of adapt or adjust. Yeah. And I guess that's really been one of my forte, is just having listened and had so much exposure to so many different styles. And not only, not only exposures, playing. I've actually been played with reggae bands or, like, you know, vocal bands or country bands. And, you know, um, 
so it really kind of comes to me. But, you know, I, nowadays I listen to the different styles, techno-pop, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, multi-rhythmic stuff or multi-time signature stuff. Even in the heavy metal genre, some of these guys like Metallica are just are, are fairly diffuse. And that's really, really interesting. And I love listening to it and I love hearing it and I love the fact that it's out there. I don't know that my proficiency level is all that good. But when it comes to something with a tempo or something with a dance beat or something mm -hmm. with a feel, for me, it's all about emotional content music is emotion it's emoting and um that's really a big part of where my my facility with these different style comes in you know it's just you know you try to identify with the feeling that the songwriter or the or the artist the musician the performer is trying to imbue it with you know yeah um what can i what can i say uh, well when you uh when you compose, I mean, do you have a drum party in your head, or are you working on the melody? Yeah, or, a lot of times, um, the the rhythm of the melody. I mean, I I I I played guitar for a long, long time, and that helped a lot. Then I had a little accident, which kind of impaired things a bit, and. Um, I had grown up playing piano a bit, but my sisters were there and they had to practice. So me being a younger kid, I could never get on the piano. It was like, Norm gets to practice dinner time, come set the table. So um, I really didn't uh, get to learn piano as well as I probably wanted to. Um, and then a bunch of years ago, I said, I'm doing it. I, at 50 years old, I sign on with this piano teacher who was classically trained, very proficient, um, and she, working with me and my fingers, um, encouraged me and devised a way that would enable me to play. So I kind of applied my rhythmic skills from drumming to piano. So I really kind of play piano a lot like a drummer. It's all about the rhythm. I don't solo a lot. Uh, I certainly don't have the competency to do it, but when it comes to writing, writing songs, a lot of songs I wrote either from starting with the guitar and playing reggae patterns on guitar or, mm -hmm. you know, standard rock type of patterns on guitar and just kind of branched out from there. Um, a lot of my songs came to be because of some emotional event in my life, somebody passing, somebody breaking up, somebody having a weird experience something weird happening politically or in the social consciousness type of thing. Sure. You know, so um, I tend to be probably a little bit more political than I should, but I also tend to be more emotional probably than I they should. So a lot of my songs are almost sappy blues songs or, you know, as my wife would recognize, they're all about ex-girlfriends or that sort of thing. So... Yeah, but she understood from an early stage, this is the funny one, uh, there was a special place in my heart for all of these women, and they had an impact on my life. So, you know, um, being a musician, being an uh, independent person, being a drummer, uh, it can be a little bit hard to live with because it's uh, very impulsive, very quick to react, and mm -hmm. very, you know... I just kind of get on a get on get on get on a uh, what's the word pension get on get get on a tangent. There it is. Right. Get on a tangent, and I don't deviate. You know, it's just I play all the way till the song is done. So it's uh, so anyway. So that's kind of where a lot of this stuff comes from. And some of the more recent stuff is really um, I find myself 
a lot of the guitar stuff I wrote or a lot of the earlier stuff I wrote was pretty hard rockish kind of thing mm-hmm. and or reggae-ish. Um, when I put the endorphins together about 20 years ago, a lot of those guys were coming from blues idioms or comfort level levels were really blues based. So a lot of the more recent songs, by which I mean, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, a lot of those songs I wrote with the skill sets of, of the players that I was playing with in mind. And, you know, we'd get together once a month, once a quarter, people wouldn't remember the songs or how they went. But if it was a standard blues thing or a standard rock thing or a standard reggae type of progression, it would go pretty well. We got helicopters over here. Yeah, the president must be coming so one of the other things that developed is, um, and it's also one of the reasons I got, I was able to get such talented people to work with me. A lot of my songs were written kind of almost in the big band formula or jazz formula where, you know, you have a theme, what they call the head, and mm-hmm. then people get to improvise or solo. And the thing about musicians, most of the better musicians are egomaniacs. They love to solo, they love to show off. So a lot of my music really was a vehicle for these people to solo and extrapolate and kind of take a theme and go off into space. And um, if you listen to a lot of pop music on the radio, guys will get 16 measures or four kind, like four times through the pattern to do their thing. And then, you know, it's back to the vocals or back, back to the theme of the song. A, a lot of what I was doing was just kind of getting to the theme of the song out there and just letting people play for an extended period of time. And as a musician, it's great because they, they can develop or they can show off or they can embellish. And um, it's really interesting to see, mm-hmm. you know. And I would allow everybody to have a space. So it wasn't just the guitar player flashing around. It was the organist being able to play or the piano player being able to play or the sax player being able to play or the trombone guy being able to play. So whatever musician in the room, if they wanted to um, have a moment to shine, a, a chance to do a solo, they would do it. So that was really, that really led to like five or six or seven or eight of these songs that are on these albums where, you know, you, you, we really don't hear it because they're probably a little bit more abridged now, four minutes, five minutes at the max. Yeah, but, I was going to say, yeah. is, you know, yeah. are they the basic... Uh, if you play them live, I'm sure they're yeah, yeah, exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. And then in the more recent past, a lot of my writing's just based on piano. And you know, I woke up one night a couple of years ago and just had this jazz thing going on in my head. And you know, it was probably a lot like Moon Dance, but not quite. And it was a pattern that most musicians wouldn't play because it's like too mundane or too oh you don't do that and uh, you know it just was really sticking in my head and um given my proficiency as a drummer i'm able to make stuff kind of talk or make stuff sing make stuff pop out or just be musical right you know so should we hear that song um maybe a little bit of it yeah that's an interesting song it's not quite hr friendly so we're gonna uh we're gonna do an abridged version of it it's called deep inside 
We have uh, the local uh, local uh, Dave Wakefield playing saxophone. Okay. This piano is my friend Steve from Wisconsin. And also in the background um, on piano is my friend Eric from Wisconsin. And then additionally, we have another piano player locally, Lindsay Montana, doing some of the other solos. So it's really, this song actually is like an amalgamation of like five, six, well, it's more than that, it's probably 10 or 12 players on this song. Mm -hmm. So do you find it, uh, do you find it easy to, uh, to play with uh, your friends in Wisconsin? Yeah. These days? Yeah, yeah. We, um, we send, tracks back and forth yeah so interestingly enough i'll send them the sketch of the song which will be the drums and a click track um i'll send them a sketch of the song which is the drums and a click track or guide track sometimes they'll have the vocals on it a lot of times i'll do i call it dub piano so i'll play organ or i'll play piano keyboards on the song so that people have a sketch and a sound, you know, sketch of the chord patterns and the changes and all that stuff. And then I'll send it out there so that they can play it, you know. Um, I try not to keep my piano playing or my guitar playing or even my initial vocals because it really, um, those guys are much better players than I yeah. am, you know. So um, we'll send them and they'll do tracks and they'll send the tracks back and my friend Jason over to Katie at Recording Studio will... Uh, Add those, add those to the song. So this one here, this song, Deep Inside, we recorded originally with um, um, Steve and Saul and Eric out in Wisconsin. We actually added, a, a, Jeff had a, a brother-in-law kind of thing playing, doing some sax. So he came in one day and just, just played these great, great sax solos. And so he's on there and, you know, there was a little bit of noisiness in some of the tracks. So as Jason was working with him here, we kind of shifted some around and put in different players. So it's really such a hodgepodge of players. It becomes pretty interesting. Jump 
and just fly I hear your voice whisper out loud My heart melts, my body tingles, touch the sky Did you, were you playing live before the pandemic? Yeah, we 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 toured. We called it. We toured around. We played locally. We played at Spring Point Tavern. We played at Carryman's. Um, my neighborhood does a little Big Rose party. So, to a limited extent, yeah, we would play out. We played over in Bitterford, the okay. Adams Street. So, what Club. about your friends' parts from Wisconsin? Well, 
other people would play those play parts. Okay. I mean, a lot of this is is music. So right. you know, if you you take account Basie June, I mean, you know, he's gone. So somebody else is going to play his part. So you have the same sort of thing happening here, where a lot of the a lot of the parts are interchangeable. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I love it when I got other when other drummers will step up and play my songs because then I'll get to play piano, and and sing and be up front. So. Uh, I've been doing these open mics down in uh, down in Arundel at Bentley's Tavern um, with Nat and Ali Bailey, and Nat's a great, phenomenal player, guitar player. Played on a bunch of these songs. Um, so he runs. They both run this open mic, and I'll go down there and I'll get to play piano and sing, and somebody else plays drums, and uh, it's an it's an interesting uh, interesting uh, kind of let's call it portrayal or version of of of, of the songs wow. and, well, are you critical of the uh sometimes in the back of your head of the drummers i'm critical of all the musicians yes extremely okay. so extremely so um I, yes I, I i i don't weather clunkers too well you know it, it's hard it it's very hard a lot of this music is impromptu a lot of this music is improvised mm -hmm. so like i said it's almost jazzy you have a theme you have some verses you have a chorus and then you have solos so people are expected to be able to solo i mean the the, the chord patterns aren't terribly complicated but the feel the groove of the song will be different mm -hmm. so uh, until people get comfortable with that groove a lot of times even though it's the simplest of chords people are thrown because it's not your standard you know, this easy top type of thing, or yeah. you know, um, so so that's a, that's a, that's a, that's been an interesting thing, um, just finding players that are proficient enough to be able to adapt and come through and play, and you know. Now, have you played out recently? Um, other than doing the open mics, no, because of the whole yeah. the whole COVID thing, yeah, right. we were pretty lo locked up, and I really don't think of this as as a live playing out band because of it's a lot of originals you know sure. we were i was doing some stuff for a while with uh, um uh, a local band called i suppose you know karate um so we were doing a couple three four of my songs and i was playing drums with them and you know we were trying to play out but really the only place you could go with genos or bayside bowl mm -hmm. you know so great name for a band by the way oh i suppose you know karate yeah yeah, yeah. great band too Charles Galarraga, I played with played with him like years ago when I first moved back to Wisconsin back in the early 80s. I played with him and his friend Tony in a band called Medicine Men. Talk about great names. And, you know, we did, mm. you know, we did all the local local scenes and that sort of thing. And it was fun, you know. Um, so, um, but he's also doing an all original thing. So, um, so do you think of the endorphins, Zeke and the endorphins as... A studio band? Yeah, pretty the, much, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Worked for the Beatles. Yeah, worked for the Beatles, worked for Steely Dan. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of lot of, lot of, of the approaches, we will get people to come in and play. So I'll get two or three keyboardists to come in and play or a couple saxophone or even guitar players to come in and play. And what's most appropriate or what's really capturing the, the feel or the groove that I'm looking for. And so it's, uh, you know... And most of the guys are mature enough. I don't think there's any hurt feelings. But, um, you know, we have the core band, which is myself, my buddy uh, Mark Gunter, who's an exceptional organ player. He's from Kennebunk. 
We have uh, Jim Katsafikas playing rhythm and lead guitar. He's a he's a local guy. He does a lot of stuff, little two-man shows, three-person shows. Um, locally, exceptional guitar player. One of the only guitar players that I know locally who's very, very comfortable with the various idioms that we get into. So very comfortable playing reggae, very comfortable, comfortable playing blues, straight rock, hard rock, whatever the case may be. So, well, great. Um, so how many... Uh how many uh, CDs do you have? We have two CDs at this point that are out in the marketplace. So they're on Apple Music, they're on Spotify, they're on SoundCloud, they're on YouTube. The first album was uh, Beyond the Pale, and there were five songs, um, exceptional songs. So that was the first one. That came out back, I think, in 2019. And then in 2020, we put out um, Into the Ether. So Into the Ether is... Uh, a collection of probably 10 different songs. Um, so those are out. Um, I have another seven songs that are mastered. I'm thinking about putting out a, a third album with five songs. And um, I think totally total number of masters right now is getting close to 30. So um, I'm just trying to decide, well, what's viable? What's a viable song? What's not a viable song? What makes sense? What goes well together? Um, I've got a couple songs that we recorded and mastered, which are written by my friend Stevie, and trying to figure out whether to put those on there and deal with all the copyright stuff involved with that. But um, so hoping to put out at least another one or two and see what happens. Are they, are they available uh, physically? Can you buy a CD copy? Yeah, I got. I have to get them in the in the bull moose. So we printed. And when I, when I first issued them, I ran it through CD Baby Digital Distribution. Yep. Um, and then we printed 50 copies of, of Beyond the Pale. So we still have we still have a few of those left. Um, and then when I did Into the Ether, um, CD Baby had stopped doing physical really? CDs. Okay. Yeah, CD oh. Baby stopped doing CDs. Figure that. Um, so they were just specializing in dis di just digital distribution. That sort of stuff. So I ended up having a hundred of these printed up by um, Crooked Cove over in Kennebunk. Um, and so I haven't put them in the, mu in the record store yet, but I need to go knocking on uh, Bull Moose's door and see if they'll take a few. So uh, okay. we're trying to sell them through the website um, and then the digital ones through Apple Music. So readily available there. And if you go to the website, I think they're free. If you go to uh, YouTube, they're free. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So, so, um, so if someone wants to hear you at an open mic, where should they go? Um, Bentley's. Bentley's is running open mics um, pretty much every other week. So and I think the next one is the 14th, next Wednesday. Uh, the open mic starts at 6. I'm usually one of the first or second uh, artists that gets up there. And there's a lot of talented people that go down there and play um, pretty regularly. So... They have a great backup band. Nat Bailey's in there, and a couple other people have a great drummer, great bass player. Um, so, next gig will be the 14th, six o'clock. Bentley's. Oh, they have backing musicians there. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. They did. Um, they they pretty much will play. Very talented. Same sort of thing. They will play with pretty much anybody and everybody. And, you know, I, when you get to a certain level of competency as a musician, you're usually able to just pick up and play and run 
with any 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 song practically so mm -hmm. you know that's what i have uh, depended on through the years is just you know we don't spend a lot of time practicing this stuff we just spend a lot of time putting the emotional content into it um it's almost like an adrenaline rush i call it you know we're just the excitement of playing a song for the first time or playing a song um, at as, as, an, as exceptional a level as you can, I mean, it's a blast. I mean, that's I grooved on that for years playing rock and roll, and that's one of the reasons I was so successful. I just, I'm a junkie. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I just, you know, tell me what the tempo is, um, tell me what the pattern is, and boom, one, two, three, go. So who'd you grow up loving? I mean, who was your inspiration? Who did, oh, I mean, so many great players out there. Buddy Rich, you know, Neil Peart, um, Bill Buford from way back, the guy with uh, the guy with Dave Matthews, exceptional drummer, Charlie Watts, Ringo, you know. And even today, I listen to some of these, you know, more recent bands and just incredible players. Um, I. Um, I like to think some of these guys canceled, uh, copied my style, but that's it's all right. <laughs> A lot of plagiarism, right? So what should we close with? What should we close with? Um, I'm going to bring out the song Can't Love You, Babe. That's an interesting song. I did not write this song. Um, my friend Stevie wrote this song. Um, it is really kind of a typifies what this music is about. We have mm -hmm. saxophone players, we have organ players, we have keyboard players, we have guitar players. Um, very, very grooved song. There's like one chord to the whole song. Little change in the chord every once in a while. So it's very, it's almost funky from, you know, the 80s funkies or 70s funkies, Motown-ish. Um, a lot of people said, oh, that sounds like Stevie Winwood. Other people say, oh, that sounds like the Grateful Dead. Um, just a very cool song. And um, the guys in Wisconsin all played a part. The guys locally all played a part. So there's probably 10, 12 musicians on this one song, all doing little parts. We have two different sax players. Do you do, uh, you do different things? Uh Besides the drums, you play I, yeah, I play guitar. I play okay. guitar. Um, I play piano. I play a little bit of marimba. I like that for reggae songs. Um, never been much of a percussionist in terms of congas or tambourines or any of that stuff. I'm pretty much a, just a real hardcore drummer. That's always been my focus. I always knew that I just wanted to be as exceptional as I could on this simple little instrument and. You know, to this day, I practice all the time. I usually have my drumsticks. Sorry, I don't have them right now, but usually have my drumsticks, and I'm just wailing away, practicing my little practice exercises constantly. Most of my family and my friends have gotten used to the fact that I'm going to be keeping time on something because I want to play quietly. Something like this would be great, but I'm keeping time to songs all the time whenever I'm hanging out. So, so this is Can't Love Ya. Uh, by Steve Harkis, done by Zeke and the Endorphins.
That's Steve. We have to blend his part in. I think the first sax solo here is by um, Jeff Miller out in Wisconsin. So a lot of that traffic sound, you know, mm -hmm. between the organ and sax, the haunting guitar. So that's cool. Can't love you. All right. Well, so, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, there you have it. The first uh, podcast of a podcast open mic in about a year and a half. And it's great to be back. I'm going to make some changes. Um, before, it was one artist, one song. And uh, while I was doing the broadcast of podcast open mic on the radio... I realized that maybe a little, well, I had an hour to fill, first of all, and that might be a little too limiting for most artists, and it was. And uh, another rule I had was uh, no covers, original songs only, and you know what? Some people rocked me with some covers on the uh, broadcast, so screw that. Play whatever you want. And lastly, I'm not going to number these anymore because that's a nightmare. Um, these are podcasts uh, both on Podbean and uh, WMPG uh, podcast site. And the numbers don't match up. So I might date them or I just might say, here's podcast open mic. Anyway... Um, I've got a whole bunch, I had a whole bunch of uh, guests on the uh, broadcast, so I'll be piecing those together rather than trying to find, you know, a new artist every week. And uh, I'll try to make this uh, a more regular type weekly thing, but maybe every other week is more realistic. So if you want to want to be uh, on the podcast get in touch with me lorenzo at podcast open mic that's mic at gmail.com i'm lorenzo and unlike 2020 i hope we talk again soon